Hey, welcome to church. Yeah, he is risen. Happy Resurrection Day. Uh, my name is Jeremy. I'm our infrastructure pastor here at Thorn Creek Church, and I'm just honored that I get to deliver this message to you today. So welcome. Welcome to the, those of you online. Uh, type in the chat. Hi, how you doing? Let us know where you're watching from because we love to connect with you every single week. Hey, you know, the Bible says there were two disciples that ran to the tomb. Uh, John and Simon Peter. We see that in the Gospel of John. They were desperate. They needed to know. They, they heard this story that the tomb is empty and they couldn't, they couldn't hold in. They, they were desperate to find out. Have you ever been desperate for God? You need him in your life. You feel that you need him and you, 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 there's nothing else that you can have, that, that you need to know that he is with you, that you need to know that he loves you, that you need to know that, that God is, is real and he's with you. Have you ever been desperate at that place of desperation for God? I've been at that place for the last few weeks. Uh, on March 22nd, Pastor Ruben let me know that he was feeling ill. And then the next morning, I got the text that said, you're preaching this weekend. And so I had to scramble to prepare a message. And I, I, I did it by God's grace. And then every Monday since we've been meeting with Pastor Ruben, we make the decision, am I preaching this weekend or is he? And, and I've come to this, this new realization of my need for God. I, I, I've never uh, in my life preached back-to-back -back weekends. And now this is the fourth one I've done. And, and, and each week I recognize my need for God. I need God to show up because there's a, there's a, 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 a level of, of trust up here. There's, there's a level of, there's a burden uh, for being up here and preaching God's word that I recognize and that I feel each week. And I wasn't feeling that before. And so I, I just had to cry out to God. I said, God, I need you. I'm desperate for you. I need you to show up because if you don't, this is all going to fail. This is all going to be meaningless. God, if you're not here, then, then it's all going to be meaningless. And I was desperate for him. John and Simon Peter were desperate to figure out what was going on. On Thursday, they saw Jesus uh, crying and praying in the, in, the, in the garden of Gethsemane. And, and he's, he's just, he gets arrested that night. And then he goes to this trial and he ends up going to jail and then he gets beaten and he goes to the cross and he dies. This, this man that they've been following for three years, that, that Peter confessed that you are the Messiah, and he's dead. And on Saturday, they're just sitting around. They don't know what's going to happen. They're, they're fearful that they're next, and they're desperate for God. So they ran to the tomb. John runs faster than Peter. He gets there first. Peter's slower. He shows up second. John gets there and he doesn't go in the tomb. He just waits on the outside. But when Peter gets there, he has to go inside. Why did he go in? Because he was desperate for God. Because he just had to see for himself if it was empty. See, today we're all running to an empty tomb. To the door of that empty tomb. We're all going there. You're here at church and, and maybe you're working through your faith, trying to figure out what do I believe and how is God working in my life? Maybe you're here and you're broken. Maybe your family's broken. Maybe you're here and you're just exhausted. You're tired, you're worn out. Maybe you've been living with something, hanging on to, to something that, that you don't want anyone else to know about. Maybe you've been hurt. Maybe you're here today and you're just struggling. Maybe you've learned how to live with that hurt 
Maybe you've learned how to live with the shame and the guilt. And now you're standing outside this empty tomb at the door, and some of you will stay outside. But others, you'll go inside, and your lives will be changed forever. See, your new life starts with your willingness to go into an empty tomb. I have good news for you. He is risen. He is risen. The resurrection changes everything. The resurrection changes everything. It changes, it makes all things new. The resurrection is why the dead can come to life. It's because of Jesus. The resurrection says you have a new future. The resurrection says you can have this new life. The resurrection is the power of Jesus Christ living, not dead. He was dead. He died on Friday. He sat in that tomb, but now he's alive. That's the resurrection. That's our good news because it's not over. Turn to someone and tell them it's not over. It's not over. This message right here, this message that you're hearing today has the potential to change the trajectory of your life. If you're seeking God, if you're far from Christ, you're not a Christian. Thank you for being at church. Thank you for being here, for being open to what God can do in your life. Hear this, this message can change every aspect of your life, your relationships, your view of God, everything. If you're here today and you are a follower of Christ, you've been following, well, you need to know that God's not done with you. It's not over. God wants you to know and experience the true resurrection power of Jesus Christ. So we're going to look at this account of Jesus rising. We're going to look in Mark. We, this finishes up our series of, of the gospel of Mark that we've been looking at. Uh, we've been in this series for 11 weeks. We've been going from the beginning to the end of Mark. And we are now in the last chapter, chapter 16 of Mark. And it starts out like this. It says, Saturday evening, when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James and Salome went out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus's body. Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. On the, way they were, on the way they were asking each other, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? But as they arrived, they looked up and saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in white, in a white robe sitting on the right side. The women were shocked. But the angel said, don't be alarmed, for you are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. But he isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you before he died. The women fled from the tomb, trembling and bewildered, and they said nothing to anyone because they were so frightened. It was crazy. It was crazy. He was gone. The tomb was empty. He is risen. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your love, and we thank you for your life. God, we thank you for raising Jesus from the dead by your power. God, death and sin could not hold Jesus down. And so today we celebrate and we just ask that you would move in our hearts through this message, God. We, we lift up your word and we praise you and we just ask that you would move in each of our lives. God, would you just um, 
Just use me again. I give you everything. I'm your vessel. Have your way in and through me. God, that's our prayer today for you. Just move in us. We worship you and we thank you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're going to focus on one unique person here, one of the disciples, Simon Peter. Because the angel said, go tell the disciples, including Peter. And that's an interesting thing that the, that the angel would do that. And so when we think about who Simon Peter is, uh, Simon Peter started out as Simon. That was his name. And he was fishing. And one day Jesus came along and they had been fishing and there were no fish. And Jesus said, throw your net on the other side of the boat. And they're like, well, we've been fishing all night and there's been nothing. But he said, do it. And they did it. And there were so many fish that the net, net began to tear and to rip. And, and Simon falls to his knees and he says, just get away from me. I'm, I'm, I'm unholy. I, I don't deserve to be around you. But Jesus calls him to be one of his disciples. He tells him, follow me, leave, leave your boats. I'll, I'll make you fishers of men. And so Simon Peter is this guy who says, yeah, I'll go. And then Jesus changes his name. He says, I'm going to, I'm, you're no longer going to be Simon. You're going to be Peter Cephas. It means rock. And upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. I mean, this is Simon Peter's like, like in the top three of the disciples, him, James, and John, and Jesus is pouring into him. And Peter has no filter as well. You know, we look at Peter's life and he just, I mean, he puts his foot in his mouth a lot. Uh, at one point, he's the first one to say that Jesus, you're the Messiah. He's like on the right track. And then another time Jesus is telling them, I'm going to go to Jerusalem and they're going to kill me and I'm going to die. And then I'm going to be raised from the dead. And Peter gets up and he like rebukes Jesus. He says, Jesus, you don't understand. We're not going to let that happen to you. <laughs> and Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> he calls Peter Satan. This is this guy. He's just, he's just off the cuff. He's just, he's so excited. He loves Jesus. He, he wants to follow him, and, but he just, he gets so wound up. And we see in Mark 16, verse seven, it says, now go and tell the disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you before he died. Go and tell Peter too, including Peter. Why would he do that? I mean, Peter's, Peter's on, I mean, he's, he knows who Jesus is. He, 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 he loves Jesus so much that he rebuked him and said, no, I'm not going to let you die. Why would he say, go include Peter? Well, it's because just a few days later, or a few days earlier, Peter's life was turned upside down. Peter denies Christ. Not just like, uh, I don't really want to be around you, but denies, I don't know him. We see it in Mark 14. Peter said to him, even if everyone else deserts you, I never will. Peter's like, nope, not me. And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter. This very night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny three times that you even know me. No, Peter declared emphatically. Even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all the others vowed the same. Have you ever failed? Have you ever failed God? Ever failed yourself? That's where Peter's at. You thought you were stronger. You thought you were, you were better than that. You thought, you thought you were further along. And then something happens and, and, and you realize that 
There, under certain circumstances, things will probably change. Under certain circumstances, you, you aren't necessarily the person that you thought you were. You, you thought you were further along. You thought your faith was stronger. You thought that you could do this, but that thing happens, and it shakes you, and you fail yourself. And others see it, and God sees it, and you can be reminded of it over and over and over and over again. You could just live in that place. And I want you to hear this. The devil wants to remind you of your past, but God wants to show you a new future. That's the story of the resurrection, that it's new life, that there's something new. You can be redeemed. See, maybe you've had that moment where you discovered that you're not the man who you thought you were, or you're, 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 you're a wife who, who isn't as loved as you thought you were. Maybe you're that high school student who, who recognizes that you're running with the wrong crowd. Or you're that college student who's, who's struggling and, try, and questioning your faith. You, you've got all of these things that could be happening. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been to that place where you're, something has happened and you're not the person that you thought you were? And now you're left with this reality that you have to work through. Should I continue to try? Or should I just give up? Should I go into the tomb? Am I desperate for God or, or am I just going to give up completely? See, Peter denied Christ three times. Three times. And, and Jesus told him this would happen. And he said, and then a rooster will crow. This rooster. Oh, the rooster. Every time he hears the crow of a rooster. He's reminded that he's not who he thought he was. Every time he hears that rooster, he remembers that he disowned Jesus. Every time he hears that rooster, he can see Jesus' face when Jesus says, you're going to deny me three times. Like every morning, he's going to hear this. Multiple times in the day, there's a rooster crowing. And every time he hears it, he just thinks, I did that. There's all these things that, that affect our memories, right? Uh, uh, events and, and sounds and smells, songs. We can hear a song and we can be transported back to another place. Give me a drum line. If I hear a drum line, I, I grew up, I was in marching band, I was in drum corps, I love drum lines. If I hear a drum, I can feel the weight of the drum that I used to carry. I, I hear a drum line. I almost like get into attention and kind of like, like, all right, here we go. Let's do this. I want to be there with you. I can, I, can I can see the concrete racquetball court where we used to practice and destroy our hearing because we thought it was so cool. Like, it doesn't matter. I can hear that thing. And here's, here's Peter living with this. Even after Jesus has been resurrected, even after he sees Jesus, He's still living in this place. He still hears that crow every morning. And he's reminded, it's over. You've gone too far. Peter's at this place where he feels like he's been disqualified from great things. That, that Jesus called him the rock, but he doesn't feel like the rock. He feels like shifting sand. Like someone who has no backbone. He makes this spiritual assumption that God's done with him, that he's gone too far, that, that because he's denied Christ, that the work of the cross isn't enough. He's living with shame and with guilt 
And every time he hears that rooster, he's reminded, I did that. I failed. God can't use me. We see in John 21.3 that Peter just goes back to normal life. It says, Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. And we'll come too, they all said. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. See, Peter was so far down this path, this, this spiritual assumption that, that God couldn't use him. God was done with him because he had gone too far, because he had done this thing that, that, that he was, had failed himself and he had failed God, that he's like, I'm just, I'm apparently done. I'm just going to go back to where I was before I met Jesus, and that's fishing. And he just says, I'm going to give up completely. God can't use me. God doesn't want me. I've gone too far. He goes back to his plan A, but they didn't catch anything. He goes back to where he thought he could, he could make a living and, and do the rest of his life, but he didn't catch anything. He didn't catch anything. Peter didn't understand the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let me ask you this question. Do you really believe God can change your life? Like, really? Do you believe? Yeah, put your hands together. Do you believe that God can change your life? Do you really believe that he can change your circumstances? That God cares enough about you that he sees you on this tiny little planet in this huge universe and he hears your voice when you pray and you say, help me? Do you really believe that God can change and do anything? He can because he, he raised Jesus from the dead. I don't know anyone else who has ever raised anyone from the dead. That's some serious power. That's our God. When you look at the resurrection of Jesus, you see Jesus was physically resurrected. He was walking around. When he saw the disciples, they could touch his hands and feel the holes where the nails went through. Doubting Thomas, he said, I'm not going to believe it unless I can put my hand in his side. And Jesus appears and says, here you go. Jesus physically resurrected. He was no longer dead. But I think the resurrection that we need is the resurrection of our faith, the resurrection of our hope, the resurrection of our strength, the resurrection of our determination in our family, in our marriage, with our friends and our relationships. We need the resurrection of hope in that. And that's what God can do. Because the worst thing is, I don't think the worst thing is failing yourself or failing God. I think the worst thing is giving up on God, thinking that he can't lift you up out of it. That's the worst thing. The worst thing is believing that God is stuck in this little box and he can't move. He can't change your circumstance. That's the worst thing. Because the resurrection destroys that box. The resurrection says he can move and he will move. He will do whatever he can. Because here's the problem. The message of the devil is that it is over. The message of the devil comes to us in our lowest point when we feel like, yeah, I did that. And he goes, yep, you sure did. It's all over. The message of the devil is that there's no more hope. Your marriage is over. The time is over. Your career is over. Those relationships are over. Your ministry is over. Whatever it is, that's the lie that the devil tries to tell us. That Jesus didn't resurrect. That he can't change things. That he can't bring death or life from death. How does this resurrection happen? Well, let's look in Ezekiel 37. It says, The Lord took hold of me, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. 
then he asked me, son of man, can these bones become living people again? Do you have some dry bones? Do you have a valley? It's just nothing but death. No muscle left on them, no sinew, just dry bones. No life. And God asked, can these be living people again? He says, oh, sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I am going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Do you have some dry bones that need life? Some dry bones that you've given up on? There's three things we learn from this passage. The first is it's not enough to just hear God's word. You have to receive it. You have to receive it. You have to hear God. You have to listen to God. So he says dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. Don't just hear God, listen to him. There's a difference between hearing and listening. Hearing, things happen and we hear them. We're just going about our business and we may hear a loud crash and I, I heard that, yes, but I don't know what it is. I don't, you know, I'm moving on. But when we listen, we're intent, we're active. And God says, listen. God has a word for you. This, this word that we're reading today is just for you. The, the word that Jesus raised from the dead is for you. The word that Jesus can resurrect your life and resurrect your circumstances is for you. You just have to listen because God is speaking. That's your job is to listen because God wants to breathe new life into you. He wants you to hear. He wants, you to, te- he wants to tell you dry bones come to life. Number two, You don't have the power to genuinely change yourself. You don't have the power to genuinely change yourself. God said, I'm going to put breath into you and make you live again. See, God is the giver of life. We can't do it on our own. We have no power of our own. We can't can't raise people from the dead on our own. We don't have that power. God has that power. God is the one who gives life. Jesus said this. He said, Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. See, the reality is that we're all sinners, that we've all fallen short of God's glorious standard. The, the, the word used in Romans for that is hamartia. It's, it's, a, it's an archery term. It means we've missed the mark. There's, there's a bullseye that we have to hit, and we've all missed it. And the wages of that sin, the wages of that miss is death. That's what we deserve, but we don't have to take it because Jesus went to the cross. Jesus paid the death. God sent his son to this planet. Yeah, put your hands together. Because he sent his son not to condemn us, but to save us, to seek and save the lost. Jesus is our sacrifice. He made atonement for us. He paid the price that we couldn't pay and he entered into that grave, but he's not still there. He defeated death and he raised to life so that we can have new life in him so that we, will, we, won't, we won't be dead forever. Amen. You just put your trust in Jesus. We put our faith in that work that he did. 
Number three, true healing is when you surrender to God's work. God said, I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. God knows how to heal. God knows how to restore. God knows how to start over. God knows what needs to happen in your marriage for it to be reconciled. God knows what needs to happen in your relationship with your friends to make it better again. God knows what needs to happen in your life to bring about your career. God knows what you need. God knows what needs to heal in your body. And he knows how to do it. God is the giver of life. And the result is when you see this healing, when you receive this healing, when you receive God's word and he breathes his life into you and you no longer are going to die in your sin, but you are going to live with Jesus, then you will know that he is the Lord. It's something that happens in your soul, in your spirit. You put your faith in Jesus and you know because Jesus is the best restorer, the best healer that you'll ever see, that you'll ever meet. Look at how he does it with Peter. Peter goes out fishing. John 21, we read, he goes out fishing and he doesn't catch anything. And then Jesus stands on the shore and he calls out to them. He says, hey, throw your net on the other side. Just like when he met Simon Peter. And so they throw their net on the other side and they catch a ton of fish. So much so that it starts weighing down the boat, but it doesn't break the nets this time. That's a whole nother message. And John goes, it's the Lord. And Peter just jumps off the boat. Peter's back. <laughs> he can't control himself. He jumps off the boat and he swims back. And then they all arrive and he goes and grabs the net and he starts yanking it over so that they can have breakfast together on, on this shore. And Jesus has fish already cooking. And they sit down and they eat. And in verse 15, it says, After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He calls him Simon. He doesn't call him Peter. He knows where Simon's at. He knows that every morning Simon hears the rooster and all he can remember is that he failed. And so Jesus just meets him right there and says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know that I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know that I love you. Even in this place where Peter feels his failure, he loves Jesus. He just feels that, 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 that God can't use him anymore. It's not that he's running away and that he doesn't love Jesus. He says, you know I love you, Lord. And Jesus says, then take care of my sheep. 
Verse 17, a third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Jesus asked him three times because it was three times that Peter denied him. And as soon as Jesus asked that third time, we see right here, Peter was hurt. It was like, yeah, I know, I know Jesus. I said it three times. I said I wouldn't say it. I said I would die with you. I said all of these things. But as I was sitting there and I see that you're getting, uh, on the, you're, on, you're in trial and people are smacking you and they're hitting you and I'm afraid and I don't understand why you're not, you're not being the son of God and just, and just getting out of that situation and I don't understand and people are asking me, do you know him? And I, I, just, I just froze and I was like, no, I don't know him. I don't want to be anywhere around him. I don't, I don't want to be in that place because, because God, Jesus, you were, you were getting hurt and they were going to kill you. And and I thought maybe they'd kill me and I, I, I know. I know what he did. He was hurt. But each time Jesus asked him, he healed him. He said, originally he told him, Simon, you're gonna be Peter, rock. And on this rock, I'm gonna build my church. And each time that he tells Peter that he loves him, he asks, do you love me? And he says, feed my lambs. Take care of my sheep. Feed my sheep. He restores Peter. He says, it's not over. Jesus was helping P Peter understand that it's, it's not about how you see yourself. It's about seeing yourself through God's eyes. What God thinks about you, I want you to hear this. What God thinks about you is more important than what you think about you. Yeah. I'm sure you've experienced it. I've experienced it. I am my own worst critic. I can beat myself up over the smallest things. But what matters more than that is how God sees me. And through the power of the cross, the power of the blood of Jesus Christ, when God looks at me, he sees his son. When God looks at you, he sees his son, he sees his daughter. He sees the one he loves and cherishes, the one that he sent his only begotten son to die for, to pay the price, to give new life. Jesus has the ability to heal your wounds, take away your pain, and give you a new grace-filled memory. Your worst memory can become part of your redemptive story. From then on, Peter would hear that rooster. Yeah, amen. Peter would hear that rooster and he'd be like, yep, I did do that. But my God is bigger than my failures. My God restored me. My God moved in my life and told me that he loved me. See, the problem is when you convince yourself it's over, you make some personal decisions. Like, why should I continue? Why should I even try? It's never going to get better. It's my duty to carry this shame and guilt. We can go to this place where it's like, oh, I have to do this. But no, we don't because Jesus went to the cross. I'm justified to be critical. When, when we get to this low place, we justify our anger at everybody else and at ourselves. And we just stop trying and we just give up. And we're not even willing to hear Jesus when he says, do you love me? Because 
that's really all God wants, is our love, our total devotion, our total surrender. Sometimes we think our opportunity over is over. The season is over. I've gone too far. The kids are grown. Maybe that loved one has passed. It's all, I, sometimes we think it's over. But it's not over. Because Jesus isn't in that tomb anymore. I love how Frederick uh, Buchner said it. He said, resurrection means that the worst thing is never the last thing. Isn't that good? That's where Peter's at. His worst thing, it wasn't his last thing. Jesus came and said, do you love me? Then feed my lambs. Do you love me? Then take care of my sheep. Do you love me? Then do what I called you to do because I took care of it all. It's okay. I forgive you. I want to be with you. I made the way. That's all he's calling to us. Now look at Peter after this. Peter, Peter on, on Pentecost Sunday, he preaches and 3,000 people are saved and baptized and he, he becomes the rock and he, he walks in what Jesus has called him to do and he writes this letter to the churches in 1 Peter 1 verse 3. It says, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by this great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Amen. That's where, G where Peter landed. His worst wasn't his last. He says, now we live with great expectation and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It will be, it is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. God will resurrect you. God can move in your circumstance. God can change your marriage. God can change your relationships. God can change your finances. God can move in your life. God can change your heart first and foremost. But he doesn't promise that there won't be any trials. There will be a testing of your faith. There will be a challenge. You're gonna make mistakes. You're gonna be like Peter at some point and go, yeah, I did that. But all Jesus wants to know do you love me? Your trials won't last forever, but they will expose the strength of your faith. Your trials won't last forever. They will expose the strength of your faith. As we walk with Jesus, Jesus our faith gets stronger. As we walk with him and we, we listen to him and we are obedient to him and we see him move, our faith grows and we can endure more. And God is with us. We're gonna do baptisms tonight. It's gonna to be amazing. We're gonna celebrate the transformation that God does in people's lives. Yeah, amen. The resurrection power of Jesus Christ. And I just wanted to share you one of the testimonies. Jeremiah Sanchez, he's gonna be getting baptized tonight. And I think he's had his, his Peter moment, yeah. He said, I haven't regularly attended church for six years. 
In recent years, I was associating with the wrong people and neglecting my spiritual role in my family by not following Christ as I should. I was putting work and life's pleasures before God and as a result, lost the family God blessed me with through a divorce. Then one day, I was home alone and I felt ashamed of who I became, which was a self-centered person. I remember praying and asking God to enter my life and I committed my life to him again. Not too long after that, I ran into my uncle Dan who invited me to the 2022 men's retreat at Thorn Creek Church. I saw God's presence in my life and I have been coming to church ever since. I know God will restore all things and make them new. That's what God does. He restores and makes them new. Sometimes God uses our problems and our trials to make us stronger. Sometimes God allows trials in our lives to expose a spiritual life, expose our spiritual life and, and grow us. Sometimes we bring problems on ourselves. But whatever the reason, I want you to consider this. I want to ask you to consider this in your relationship with God, in your seeking and your searching out of God, of your walk with God, to include church in your relationship with God. Attend church for at least three weekends. Cry out to God. Worship God with everything you have. Give your all to God. Open up your heart to God and see what God can do. See how he can move. Because our God is great. And our God is bigger than death itself. This is your opportunity. You're sitting here and you're standing at that door to the tomb. And you can choose to stand outside of it. It reminds me of the, uh, the gift cards that we gave out last weekend. We gave out a bunch of gift cards, King Super gift cards. Some of you were a part of that. We went through the parking lot and we tried to give people $5 gift cards. We give you free money. We want to give you free money. And there were people who didn't want to take a free gift. There were people who convinced themselves that they weren't good enough, they weren't worthy, or they just, they needed to earn it, whatever. They wouldn't take this free gift. But that's what God has done through Jesus Christ. He's given us this free gift of, of grace and of salvation. And all we have to do is accept it. All we have to say is yes, because we can never earn it. There's nothing we can do that can earn God's love because he already loves us to the point of the cross. So this is your opportunity. I want to I lead us in a prayer. Ah, let's bow our heads. God, I thank you for your resurrection power. I thank you for meeting with us right here. I thank you for working. Holy Spirit, you are amazing. If you're sitting here today and you have never given your life to Jesus, and you recognize you're, you're standing at that tomb and, and you need to go in. You're desperate for God. You want, you want that resurrection power in your life. Then just say this prayer. Just say, Jesus, I give you everything. Please forgive me. I have sinned and I don't want to anymore. And I give you my life. And as best as I know how, I'm just going to love you. And I want your word to come into my life, into my heart and pierce me and change me and transform me. I don't want to be the same person anymore. I give you everything. Maybe you're sitting here today and you've been walking with Jesus, but you recognize you've been kind of hanging outside that tomb door as well. 
Just say, God, I need your resurrection power in my life. I want to walk in that power. I know it's greater than anything that I, I can imagine. It's greater than anything I can do. I need you to carry me. And I, want, I, I know that it's not over. I know that it's not over. You are so great. And I give you my life. We love you. Jesus, thank you for being here. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.